It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Lockdown Reds podcast is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app now on your iOS device and check out the beta on Android. And join me tonight at the beginning of the Reds-Padres game. Let's talk some Reds and Padres while the game's going on on the Locker Room app. They're changing the way that we talk sports. You are Locked On Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. I'm a super fan. I'm an addict of the Cincinnati Reds, and I turn my addiction into information for you. We have a lot to get to. In today's episode, we've got some Jeff Shunk mail later on. We're going to preview Tony Santion versus Chris Paddock. <laughs> we got to talk about this game from last night. Holy cow. We're, we're, yeah, whatever. We're, we're going to get into that here in just a minute. I got to tell you, though, make sure you're following the podcast on whatever app you're currently listening to. That way, you don't miss anything that I've got for you coming up here on the podcast all season long. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Lockdown Reds and save the Lockdown Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. That's the majority of where we get our Jeff Shuck mail for today, which is coming up. But first, we've got to get to this game because the Reds for the most part, got an amazing pitching performance. There were two mistakes that Wade Miley made that turned into two solo home runs. And for the most part, that is what separated the Reds and the Padres for the entire game. He had a phenomenal continuing to pitch just as well as he has all year. He is limiting the hard contact, except for those two homers. He's getting a couple of strikeouts. You're not expecting Wade Miley to come out here and and get 12 strikeouts like Tyler Malley does. He just gets the job done, is very pitch efficient, and he lasted quite a while last night. In fact, you know David Bell brings him out in the eighth, I think, fully with the expectation that if he continued to pitch as he had, he was going to give them eight strong innings. He he didn't, though. He gave up a couple of singles. So they went to Art Warren, which, shout out to Art Warren. That was a great performance. He had runners on first and second, nobody out. He gets two straight strikeouts and then a line drive straight at Joey Votto to end the inning. Phenomenal performance by him. And it left the door open for the grit the grind, the fight that this team has. That is one thing that is completely undeniable. Whether they go on another bad losing streak, whether they start to really fall back off again, or they continue this run of success that they've had recently, you cannot deny that this team just fights. And they showed it last night. Four-run ninth inning against the Major League Saves leader in Mark Melanson. Which, by the way, Joe Musgrove and Mark Melanson, the Reds were facing the Padres, right? Not the Pirates. That's kind of funny to think about that. But yeah, two of the four pitchers that the Reds faced were former Pirates. But that's beside the point because they mostly shut the door. Musgrove and then Emilio Pagan did 
but then Mark Melanson just gave up everything. That was fantastic to see, though, from the Reds lineup because the two big heroes, I mean, Joey Votto got the single to get everything started, but the two big heroes were Tyler Stevenson and Jonathan India. Rookies, the future is bright with these two guys. But then the ninth inning came, and we all knew that this was going to be interesting no matter if it was a crazy ninth inning comeback that saw the Reds get the lead or they held the lead the entire game. How do the Reds finish this game with a bullpen that is heavily taxed? They've been great recently in the absence of TJ Antone. Guys have stepped up. Heath Hembry. You've, you've really seen a renaissance from Lucas Sims. He has, for my money, grabbed control of the idea of the bullpen ace. And you've had great performances from Brad Brock. Those guys weren't available. Brad Brock had pitched two games in a row. So likely if he's called on in this one, he's probably at a half tank of gas. Heath Embry had the off day the day before, but he pitched three straight games before that and threw over 70 pitches. So he's probably still on a half tank of gas. Both guys are probably available for tonight's game, but... I didn't think that they were going to be available last night, and Lucas Sims was crazy busy the days leading up to this San Diego series, so we knew that come hell or high water, we really weren't going to see those three guys. So how does David Bell manage that? How does David Bell pitch the le- the less trustworthy guys? Because, and, and somebody told me about this, like, think about this. Whenever Michael Lorenzen comes back, hopefully here shortly after the All-Star break, and then you've got a healthy rotation that includes Sonny Gray. You're going to have guys in the bullpen like Jeff Hoffman, probably Tony Santian. I don't know if they're going to send him down to AAA to keep him stretched out as a starter. They might do that. I, I, I don't know. But they could put him in the bullpen. And you've got, uh, with Lorenzen coming back, you now have three guys that you trust. Very much so. And hopefully guys like Brad Brock and Heath Hembry that are coming up. And they all kind of back down a tier. You like Keith Hembry as your fourth or fifth most trustworthy reliever. It's kind of taxing whenever he's your second or third. And that's where it is right now. Due to injuries, the Reds bullpen is really trying to stretch everything out from guys who probably don't have the talent level that you would expect from a top flight bullpen arm. Even those guys weren't available last night. That was going to be a B-game bullpen game, and you just kind of had to hold on hope that they were going to get the job done. I liked the idea of going to Ryan Hendricks in the ninth. I didn't mind it. It was a chance for him to step up. He's been showing some nice talent here recently in his first season in the bigs, so give him that shot. He didn't quite come through. I didn't think it was going to be in such fantastically uh, bad ways, give up the lead and things like that. Maybe I thought it was going to be a fight. He still gets the save, maybe gives up a run. But he gave up the lead as a whole and got a tie. And then they went to Amir Garrett. And we're going to talk more about Amir later on, but he didn't come through in this situation. 
and the Padres ended up winning. Now, I saw a take on Twitter. Somebody compared this to the 2015 loss, uh, playoff loss by the Bengals to the, to the, I about said the Pirates, to the Steelers. Uh, mm, no, that's too far. No, not going that far. It, it sucked. I hated the fact that they came back. They got us all excited. The guys, oh man, what a comeback. And then they dropped the bomb and, and end up losing the game on us. But at the same time, they can still come back from this very easily. In fact, if you listen to post-game interviews to Jonathan India and Tyler Stevenson, they're like, yeah, it was great to see us fight. This is something that we can build on. This is something we can carry the momentum of this fight into tomorrow's game. They weren't looking at it as like, man, we came back and we just couldn't hang on. What a bummer. You didn't hear things like that. So I think, I think this team's going to be fine. I don't think this is a draining experience by any stretch of the imagination. And, and don't get me wrong, I love what Jonathan India did. He kind of did the Fernando Tatis impersonation where he acted like he was going to stop at third and then kept on going home on his home run. And shout out to our buddy Jojo Jammer in the Philippines. He asked uh, if we should expect any retaliation from the Padres. No, the Padres don't do that. The Padres don't retaliate. They've got a dude in Fernando Tatis who is the face of baseball who does that stuff all the time. They understand that it's a game. The guys are having fun. You're not going to see that weird mentality of, oh, well, he celebrated a home run, so we got to throw at him. This isn't the St. Louis Cardinals. All right, we're, uh, we're moving on. We're going to talk about today's uh, pitching matchup, and we've got lots of Jeff's junk mail to get to here in just a moment. Before we get into that, though, I want to let you know that today's episode of the Lockdown Reds podcast is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that give you the same feel and buzz that you're used to, but they do it without tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, which is the purest form of nicotine available. It's the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All other nicotine pouches are dry white pouches. Nothing feels like Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is offering Locked On Reds listeners a special offer today. Right now, you can try it for just a dollar. That's right, only $1. Go to www.fullyloadedchew.com and use the promo code LOCKED ON. Just $1 and free shipping if you use the promo code LOCKED ON at checkout. The next time you go for a dip, make it Fully Loaded Chew at fullyloadedchew.com with the promo code LOCKED ON. The Reds have a chance to begin a brand new win streak tonight, and they've got Tony Santian on the hill in his second career start going up against Chris Paddock for the Padres. We're going to talk about both these pitchers here. Santian is looking to build on his first start. There were some positives. There were some negatives. He's, he's got to figure out how to hone in on the positives. He had the nice strikeouts. He also had the ability to pitch around danger. Don't get me wrong, there was plenty of danger as he allowed four walks in four and two-thirds innings, but he was also able to limit the damage. He was able to pitch to his defense whenever he needed to. He did allow five hits as well. 
but he limited that damage. Can he continue to do that? He had quite a bit of grit and fight. He was the embodiment of what this team has become this season. They are the kind of team that never quits, no matter how far they're down, no matter how bleak the situation looks. This team battles, and so did Tony Santian. So let's see if he can start to build a little bit of confidence here in this start against a really good Padres lineup. I mean, we saw it. Wade Miley hadn't allowed a home run since April, and he allowed two yesterday. So he's going to have to be careful with those pitches. Keep them low. Keep them out of the sweet spot of each individual hitter. And I'm sure that Tucker Barnhart is going to be able to guide him through that. Because the nice thing is, Chris Paddock is a righty. Which means that Tucker Barnhart will be in the lineup again today. And guiding Tony Santian through this start. Speaking of Tucker, another big hit last night. What in at bat? I, I got to just talk about that for a minute. I forgot to talk about it in the recap. What an at-bat by Tucker Barnhart. In fact, all of his at-bats last night, John Sadak mentioned, I think he went to a full count in three of his at-bats last night. You had the situation where he beat the shift and he bunted a single down the third baseline. Those are the only kind of bunts that I like. Bunt them where they ain't. Get on base. I like that. Anyway, whatever. We're not going to get off on that tangent. You guys know how I feel about bunts. I don't like them. But he was able to work an amazing at-bat. I felt like it was like eight or nine or maybe even ten pitches against Mark Melanson. That was one of those, remember like a week or two ago whenever Avisiel Garcia for the Brewers worked a 14-pitch at-bat to Luis Castillo? That Castillo struck him out, but that ultimately ran him from the game. And then the bullpen came in and blew it up. It's almost like these long at-bats are turning points for the lineup that is actually hitting at that point. And, and Tucker Barnhart's long at-bat, he turned it into a double that he hustled his butt off to get to second. That was amazing, too. But you had Joey go from first to third, and you had him get a double, and that just really set the tone for the rest of the inning. Phenomenal. I'm, I'm happy pretty sure he's going to be in the lineup again today and helping out Tony Santion as they go up against this Padres lineup and they face off against Chris Paddock. Chris Paddock is a dude who I'm a little bit partial toward. There's a couple of guys on this Padres team that I'm partial toward. I like Chris Paddock, mostly because I had him his rookie year on my fantasy team and he was pretty awesome his rookie season. He's not been that same pitcher this year. His rookie year, he had an ERA of 3.3. And he had an expected ERA right around there, so he wasn't going to cheat it. Last year in the shortened season, he saw it balloon up 4.7, and right now it's at 4.1. And with his expected statistics, they say that he's not really getting cheated, so he kind of is what he is right now. He doesn't give up a lot of walks. He is a very efficient pitcher, but he gives up plenty of solid contact. The hard hit rate is a little bit above league average at 38.4. It's not alarming to the point that I think that the Reds are just going to tee off on him, but his average exit velocity allowed is slightly above league average. League average is 88.3. His is 89.3. So the Reds are going to have some ability to get hits today. Hopefully they can put them where the defense ain't and build up a lead for this pitching staff, because you're going to have Tony Santian, that he's going to be treated with kid gloves, might go five. If he stretches it, maybe he goes six. And then you're going to have to get into the bullpen again. Now, Brad Brock, 
Heath Hembry, Lucas Sims, I believe are probably all going to be available today. So if they can get a lead, hopefully they can hold it with those guys who have been so good for them here lately. And they won't have to rely on other guys that you have to squint really hard to see a good pitching performance coming from. But when you look at Paddock on the mound going up against this Reds lineup, he really only throws three pitches and his curveball he throws less than 10% of the time. So he's really just a four seam fastball and changeup type picture. He kind of keeps that fastball in the middle of the zone, trying to challenge hitters a little bit up in the zone as well, but it's mostly staying in the middle, according to the heat maps on baseball savant. And when you look at the statistics and the breakdowns, I mean, his fastball is average to average good, you know, 94.8 miles per hour on average to right there around 95, but hitters are teen off on it. They've got a slugging percentage of 509 with an expected slugging percentage of 511, and he throws that pitch 62% of the time, so they're going to see plenty of it. When he goes to his changeup, that is his bread and butter pitch. That's where he gets the whiffs. That's where he gets the weak contact. So the Reds are going to be are going to need to be ready to jump all over that fastball. The curveball that he barely throws, he does get a decent amount of whiff percentage on, but it's also been hit a couple of times. Not really any kind of solid contact. They're all singles, four hits allowed on that curveball. He's only thrown it a total of 93 times this year. But the uh, the money pitch for the Reds is going to be hitting that fastball. Hopefully they can tee off on it tonight and make up for some lost time where they didn't score runs against Joe Musgrove, which don't get me wrong, Joe Musgrove has seen a career renaissance going from Pittsburgh to San Diego, which kind of makes sense. Anytime anybody gets out of Pittsburgh, I think things get better for them. But overall, Chris Paddock looks ripe for some run scoring. Hopefully the Reds can follow up on that. All right, coming up here, we are going to jump into some Jeff's junk mail. Got a lot to talk about, and we're going to start with Amir Garrett. Before we get into all of that, though, I wanted to let you know that if you're looking to grow your money and grow your savings, I've got a great tool for you. It's Wealthfront. They are a company that if you go to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB today, they'll manage your first $5,000 for free for life. What I'm talking about is this. They will build a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds that they manage for you based on preferences that you set. You just tell them what you're looking for, tell them your goals, and they'll get everything done for you. There's no manual trades. There's no monitoring the stock market every single day, which most of us normal people don't really have a grasp on. Anyway, Wealthfront's got that grasp, and they can help you grow your money. Go to Wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB to get your first $5,000 managed for free for life. Wealthfront has been entrusted with over $20 billion worth of assets, and they can help you grow your savings today. Just $500 to get started. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB and start growing your savings today. And while you're on the internet, you should head on over to BuiltBar.com. They can transform your snack game with the best tasting protein bar on the market, bar none. It seriously tastes like a candy bar. If you bite into it, you're not even going to know that you're eating something healthy. Most of the time when you're talking about a protein bar or some kind of healthy snack, you think, ah, 
It's like cardboard. Tastes like nothing. Feels like chalk. It, it's just terrible. That is not the way with Built Bar. They are amazingly delicious because they are made with 100% real chocolate. And they've got the kind of flavors that make your mouth water. And they've got things like cherry barcia, peanut butter brownie, mint chocolate brownie. They've got amazing coconut brownie chunk. That, that, that's a great limited flavor. They got all these limited flavors that you got to check out at BuiltBar.com. And when you're there, type in the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. That's all of the amazing flavors with 100% real chocolate and great stats for your snack game to keep you healthy at BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code LOCKED15. All right, so Jeff's junk mail is loaded today. We've got lots of stuff to get to. Firstly and foremostly, because it's on everybody's minds, on my mind after watching him pitch last night, is what to do with Amir Garrett. Amir Garrett came in last night. Nobody on base. The game was tied. It's like, okay, just keep it tied. Let's get the extras and let's see what happens. He gave up a hit and then he gave up a home run and then the game was over. That's been the biggest thing with him. It's not been the walks. The walks have been annoying. But every reliever on the Reds' bullpen, it seems, except like Lucas Sims and TJ Antone, have had trouble with walks. Some guys have been able to pitch around them, like Heath Embry and Brad Brock. Amir Garrett has given up hard contact a lot. If you look at his baseball savant page, he is in the bottom 2% of the league in percentage of barrels allowed. He's also in the bottom 2% of the league on the average exit velocity allowed, 92.8. League average is 88.3. He's at 92.8. His barrel percentage of 15.4 is almost triple that of the major league average of 6.5. Just absolutely, uh, the, the signs are not great for Amir Garrett. and. It's not as if we're talking about a small sample size anymore. Yeah, he's only pitched 19 and a third innings. He's had 25 appearances. In a day and age where the three batter minimum exists, which we'll get to a question from our buddy Chad in Lancaster about that here in a minute. Three batter minimum, 25 appearances. He only has 19 and a third innings pitched. That's telling me that when he comes in, he's allowing base runners. He's allowing runs and he's having to get pulled before he can get even two outs, let alone three. And continuing the look at like his peripherals, his weighted on-base average, which if you're unfamiliar with that stat, it's kind of a composite statistic for hitting. Like It, kinda, it takes average and, and uh, on-base and all that stuff, and it compiles it into one number where good – is you know right around 350. It's not quite like batting average. It's a little bit higher than that. Good is around 350. He is allowing opposing hitters a 429 weighted on base percentage. That is the bottom 1% of the league. As in, there are so many people that are better than him. We are looking at a situation now that if you looked at his numbers on a blind resume, you know, people always do that blind, uh, blind comparison test when it comes to like trade targets or, or you know, MVP considerations or things like that. And obviously, we're talking about him right now, so you're not coming into this blind. But 
Riddle me this. If we're talking about a guy who's pitched 19 and a third innings, he's allowed 20 earned runs on eight home runs with 13 walks in those 19 and a third innings. Is that guy on a major league roster? I know why he's on this roster. He is a popular player. He has a name. People know who Amir Garrett is. He's got, he's, he's AG. He's got all that mantra and all that stuff. If you watched him on the mound last night, there's no mantra. There's no confidence. He's got a look in his eye like he's searching. He's hoping that this next pitch is good. He is wanting to be successful with what he is about to throw, but he's not sure it's going to happen. And I feel for him in a human sense. Like looking at him dude to dude, like guys like that who are struggling to find their stuff, I really root for them to figure it out very quickly. He's had three months to figure it out. Okay, two and a half. We're not really through the month of June, Jeff. You're, you're counting a month that hasn't happened yet. So two and a half. Two and a half months to figure it out. In a climate where the Reds really need relief pitching. And it's probably their lack of depth more than anything, that has afforded him this continued opportunity. His fielding independent pitching, so the ERA that they try to take out defense and stuff like that, more stuff that a pitcher can control, is 8.08, i.e. his 9.3 ERA isn't really that far off so far as how lucky or unlucky he's been getting. You're not getting anything in a trade for him right now. You might get a player to be named later, but essentially the only recourse other than just throwing him out there and hoping that he continues to figure it out, which he's had spurts. He's had moments where even I've said that Amir Garrett is back because he had an appearance here or there where he struck out a couple of guys and looked really good doing it but he continues to go back to these situations where he comes in and his fastball is basically like sitting on a tee for the hitters. His slider isn't anywhere near deceiving. I think what I'm saying is this, like you, you've got two options with him. You can either continue to pitch him and hope that he figures it out or you can DFA him. That might be where we are with Amir Garrett. And I know that that sucks because looking back in March, we were expecting him to be a catalyst in this bullpen. We were looking at the bullpen aces of TJ Antone, Lucas Sims, and Amir Garrett. And like, okay, you know what? Maybe getting rid of Bryce Iglesias and Archie Bradley isn't that bad a deal. Well, Amir Garrett went and hid. He has disappeared. The AG that we knew last year is not here now. Maybe that is the case where you look at a change of scenery helping him. But I don't know. Because the other part of this is the two options of, okay, hopefully he figures it out, or you DFA him. If you DFA him, maybe you've got somebody that's better. It's not CNL Perez. Maybe you can bring somebody up that's better, but you're not looking at a girth of just amazing dudes who can come up and be out of that bullpen instead of Amir Garrett, but it might be time to consider that. 
I'd like, I, I'd like to know your feelings because I've seen plenty of people say that they think that it's time. I don't think you're getting anything for him so far as like trading him goes. So you're looking at one of two things. You can keep him and hope that he figures out how to beat everything that's saying that he's not going to figure it out or you DFA him. And there's a pretty good chance somebody's going to at least give him a shot simply because if it works out, then they've got themselves a dude who they can also market a little bit because the Reds have done a good job marketing Amir Garrett. But right now, you can't market a dude with a 9.3 ERA. And you can't trust him for sure in any sort of high leverage situation. All right, one more question to get to because that was it was a long one. I, I've been thinking about that a lot, trying to figure out how to eloquently put that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty much one of two things and neither really sound that great. Although maybe the DFA side of things is the way to go. But the other one that I want to answer is this. And, and it's a question from Chad in Lancaster. He asks, or rather he, just, he says, three batter minimum rule sucks. That rule should not count in the ninth. A manager brings in a pitcher who is missing his spots, gives up a hit, and now you're stuck with him for two more batters. What a frustrating loss. And he goes on to talk about he didn't believe that he doesn't believe that Amir Garrett should get any more high leverage spots. And yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And and Chad, when it comes to the three batter minimum, this is one of those rules that Major League Baseball put in place in search of a problem. I get it. There were some guys that were exploiting the idea of specialists, but by putting in a three batter minimum, you've essentially done two things. You've taken a bit of strategy away from the game. People always talk about how the designated hitter being universal in both leagues will take away strategy. The three batter minimum has taken away strategy. I understand the idea that, okay, now you have to have relievers who you trust to go three outs, but there are dudes who made careers on being specialists, being that one out guy to come in and get that one dude. And yeah, it's kind of annoying when we see lots of pitching changes and stuff like that, but I, I liked the strategy of that. I always think that the three batter rule was a solution in search of a problem. Kind of like what our buddy Mo Egger over at ESPN 1530 tweeted about the extra innings rule. And don't get me wrong, the Reds have definitely benefited from the extra innings rule. But uh, these are solutions that don't really have a problem that they're trying to fix. So I'm with you, Chad. I'd kind of like to see the three batter minimum rule gone. However, that being said, in last night's case, I don't know that that would have helped them. Maybe they could have brought in... Brad Brock for one batter and Heath Hembry for one batter and Lucas Sims for one batter. And, and, you know, you have Hendricks or Garrett if you need them. But at the same time, I think that all those guys were gassed. So I, I, I don't know. That, that's a tough one to say that if the three batter minimum rule didn't exist last night, would the Reds have won that game? That's, that's kind of a what ifs of multiple levels. But at the same time, I do agree with you. I wish that the three batter minimum rule did not exist. But that's going to do it for us here today. I know I rambled quite a bit about the Amir Garrett question, but there, there were a lot of Amir Garrett questions, so I kind of grouped them all together. We'll do more Jeff's junk mail next week. I might pepper them throughout as I get them throughout the week, so definitely send them in at the Lockdown Reds line, 513-549-0159, or hit me up on Twitter, at Jeff Carr with three Fs. 
or the show's Twitter account, at LockedOnReds. But that'll do it for us here today. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, hoping for a good weekend in San Diego starting tonight. Tony Santian and Chris Paddock back to your regularly scheduled West Coast time. I know that last night was kind of nice, an 8.40 start time. Tonight it begins at 10.10. And we're going to have a locker room to celebrate that. So... Get ready for the Reds game tonight and have a nice cold beverage with you as well. We'll talk some Reds on the Locker Room app. Make sure you download that on your iOS device or the beta on an Android device if you've got that. And I'll talk with you then. But for today's podcast, that'll do it. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to each and every one of you on Monday. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.